Welcome to the Two 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 Paranormal Podcast with your host Jen and Joe. Hello, everybody. Back well, in the studio. Back, back streets. Back. <laughs> All right. No, just kidding. Um, good to be back. Joe yeah. and I were traveling last weekend, as we do. It was fun. Oh my gosh! Did you have like? A blast, like meeting up with all our old friends. Yeah, I wasn't too sure about the convention because there were a few things going on in that, but yeah, it turned out good for us. Turned out really good for us. We had some great interviews. Much fun, just catching up with everybody. Being you know back in the convention circuit again, seeing our friends. Yeah, our fam, our Our para fam, para fam. Yeah. But, met some people. Yeah, um, met some new friends. Met the she-squatchers. They were awesome. Yeah. They were so cool. Crazy and ladies. I, <laughs> I, at the end of the night, at 3.30 in the morning when we were done re- hanging out. It was out, so late. We, uh, I went up to the, the one, the main she-squatcher, I forget her name, I'm sorry, but gave her a hug, said bye, said, oh, it's so good meeting you. She's like, we've met before. I'm like, I don't remember meeting you guys no. before. <laughs> And she said some convention. I don't know which one, but like we haven't been to four hundred and sixty-seven thousand conventions <laughs> in the last five years, right? But uh, no, it was great. Something else that happened at the convention. Why don't you go ahead and tell our audience? Bum, bum, bum. Oh, my rock star moment. <laughs> <laughs> so this is really really fun. Like, so there's this band that you know we love, Detroit rock and roll, and like since I was in my twenties. I've been following this band. I'm probably not kidding you. Seen them in concert? What? Maybe 150. Yeah. Maybe. We've traveled so many places to see them. 250 times. I don't even know. We've just seen them a million times. And I was at the booth, and I saw this guy, this really tall guy, walking by, and he had a guitar strapped to his back. And you don't normally see like, you know, people walking around with guitars on their back. And I just glanced over. I'm like, oh my god. Brian Vander Ark from the Verb Pipe, yeah. which is like one of my favorite favorite bands, and um, I was like Brian, Brian, Brian. I know he, I called his name too, but he was looking around like, "Who's calling my name?" Yeah, it was like just like the most random like. It's the circle sighting. of our rock and roll life. Right. I mean, all this we're at a Bigfoot conference, <laughs> and you see Brian Vander Ark walking by. I know. Like, um, okay, like, this is weird. So I was like, no. Joe, I just saw Brian Vander. I was like totally fangirling out, right? <laughs> like he's like my favorite singer. And um, so later on, he came walking back um, and Joe stopped him and was like catching up with him. And I came over. I'm like, what's up? You know, totally like, yeah. made a fool out of myself, but whatever. So he ended up hanging out with us till three in the morning. <laughs> it was great. He had some gig and then he went and did this gig and he came back to the hotel as he was staying in the hotel and uh, just hung out with all this, us, um, but it was just great. Um, like hung out with all us crazy Bigfooters and paranormal <laughs> he was geeks. Like, and he was like, "Yeah, I saw all the tables and everything. What's going on?" I'm like, "It's a Bigfoot convention." He's like, "A what?" I said, "It's a Bigfoot convention." He's like, "A what?" <laughs> I said, "You know, Bigfoot, the, the big hairy thing." He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "We're having a convention for him." He's like. I have no idea what you're talking about. So, <laughs> so we ended up teaching him about Bigfoot and ghosts. and He told him all my stories. And yeah. He seemed very interested, but I think he was just being polite. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was really sweet. And, uh, you know, so and dummy me, don't even get a, like, selfie with him, right? Like I know. I'm so dumb. But you know what? It's like it wasn't really about that. Yeah. It was just about, like, hanging out with my, with my 
cool band yeah. idol. But um, so, anyways, anyways, to continue on our asylum. Oh, and, and be, before I let you guys uh, listen to us anymore, please get up there wherever you listen to your podcast from and uh, subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. And if you're listening to to us in iTunes, please leave us a five star rating and please type up a good please yeah. Type up a good review for us. Um, it really doesn't mean much in any, any other platform besides iTunes. And I'm just trying to get more five-star ratings for us. That's right. I think we have like three. <laughs> <laughs> Mom. Three reviews. Mom, you and me, right? <laughs> just kidding. Mom doesn't have the internet. <laughs> yeah. Or iPhone or phone. <laughs> so anyways, we're back to asylums. We okay. are. Craziness right now. In China. We're going to China, Joe. We're going to China. We are going to Forbidden Land. And I was going to do Waverly Hills this week. Well, we did it. We did it. Everybody and knows about Waverly. Y'all know about that place. Someone came up to me at the show and mm-hmm. said, "They, I love your show. I love the the asylum shows you're doing. And yeah. you're doing ones that nobody else has heard of. So I'm like, well, I can't do Waverly Hills now. Yeah, yeah, but that's, you know, like every podcast, yeah. every TV show has been there. You guys all know the story over mm-hmm. there. But let's see, listen to our show where we talked about it. Yeah. Um, but this one is really interesting. Um, you know, it's, it's different because with China, it's very rare that you get media out of China because the government controls mm-hmm. the social media and the media and... Um, so if you do get like stories of like haunted places or people maybe urban exploring or something, it's very rare because they could get in big, serious trouble for like posting stuff on the internet. Is that China or is that? Yeah, it's is communist. It China? Yep. Yep. Okay. I wasn't sure. If yeah. They... So, you know, we, it, it was really hard to try to find some. I couldn't find um, much at all places, but we got, we got the scoop, everybody. This is <laughs> I ex- found a few. exclusive. Um, Okay, so this is the Beijing Ankang, 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 I think I'm saying that right, hospital. And it's, it was more of a prison than a hospital, but it was also used as a mental asylum. So one of the former patients, his name was Wang Wang. Wang Wang. Wang Wang Shen. He came out to talk about his experience at the hospital. Now, he's a political activist, and he was arrested June 4th of 1992 for showing a banner in Tiananmen Square. Now, you know, everybody knows what happened in Tiananmen Square. There was a gentleman who was, like, run over by a tank because he was trying to protest. Maybe. If the Mandela effect kicked in. There's a whole other story to that. But that's for another show. Okay. <laughs> Conspiracy theories abound. Um, so he got sent to this hospital, and he was, <laughs> this is his diagnosis, right? Yeah. Political monomania. Yes. Political monomania. Yes. So basically, you because the government and police and whoever controls so much of their people there, that they could put you in for anything. Yeah. They were, I read somewhere... That you could be, if you were just being disagreeable, they can put you in an <laughs> asylum. No mental illness. Mm-hmm. You're just not obeying with the Chinese yeah. law. So anyways, allegedly, I don't want to get sued <laughs> by China. So he spent 13 years in a facility. Then after his release, he revealed that he, they forced him to take psychotropic drugs and medicine three times a day. 
and which left him in almost a a childlike catatonic state. Mm-hmm. So basically, they drug you up, and you're a zombie, and yeah. you're sitting in the corner. Sitting in the corner, drooling all right. day. He had to share his cell with two other men who were extremely violent and psychotic. So total opposites, right? He's mm-hmm. just in there because he's just a political, um, you know. He was all about peace. Right. The hospital was so understaffed, it only left two nurses for every 75 patients. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So there were reports of patients dying with no one even knowing about it. The nurses just ignored it for days and weeks sometimes. And after he was released, he was actually forced back into this hospital. Now, the patients and staff there were reporting of ghostly activity, which he thought was very interesting. And some of the activity was, you know, they were seeing people who had already died. And the weird part is this one's still in business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A lot of these are, you know, he's coming out telling a story and then, you know, I don't know if maybe they're secretly telling him this so they can put it out, but you know, reports women screaming and shadow figures and Mm -hmm. people standing there when they're not really there (laughs) like okay are you real or not real and then you're in a a mental institution so if you're asking somebody if somebody's really standing there then they're gonna think you're even crazier right and like oh you better keep him in he's seeing things right (laughs) crazy but that's the thing too is a lot of these like we said they're still in it still in existence Mm -hmm. they're still running and i in my research, I found that a lot of these people are in there and then they find out that they're not even, not even supposed to be there. They're not insane or nothing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with them. But you have to have a family member come get you. And sometimes the family members don't even care. So it's almost like a prison where you're stuck in there so for you, years. You can't get out no, unless you, somebody can yes. get you. Oh, my goodness. Somebody has to come vouch for you or something. Weird. Yeah. Because I... I was doing some research on the research or um, YouTube University. <laughs> no, I found a really good video on on YouTube about this, and the girl that put it on did a really good job because I think she dug really deep into these, and she was talking about some of them that they, like I said, there are several of them where, like, one was like a scientist or something, and he was deemed crazy mm-hmm. for something that he was talking about he was put in there and nobody claimed him he ended up dying in the place because nobody came to get him out and you're not allowed to leave i mean just from what we've heard of like how the prison and the labor camps are i mean i can't imagine like the asylums or people with mental health would get mm-hmm. any much more better care or or treatment yeah you know that's that's really sad so let's move over to hong kong Okay. Uh, it's just, this is the High Street Community Center located in Hong Kong, built in 1892. It was a hospital when World War II started. It started to house rebellious citizens mm-hmm. Okay, during the war. The citizens actually became prisoners and were tortured and executed inside the building. Oh, my goodness. Okay, and I couldn't find out how many, but from what I gather, it was a lot. After the war, it became a mental hospital, which was the only one of its kind in Hong Kong at the time. In 1971, the building was abandoned. So it's been abandoned since 1971. 
although they do not allow tours, people break in and walk around and have told stories of extreme hauntings because of the violence that actually occurred in the place. Mm-hmm. Some of the most common is a woman crying, footsteps walking past you that you can't see, um, screams, of course, shadow figures in the day or night. Wow. Um, the smell of decay. Uh, apparitions of, of the tortured people in uh, photos. Uh. People have said that they've also seen a headless ghost walking around <laughs> and also ghosts that burst into flames. I have never heard of that yeah. before. Wow. That's at the High That's... Street Community Center. It sounds so nice. Yeah, they try to put a nice spin on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're just full of ghosts. But, you know, you think about it, too. Like, these people, like, nobody's advocating for them Mm -mm. right no you have mental issues they need help and then they're tortured and they die and they're just in this extreme suffering even in their death right one of the videos i watched it's really sad was a news clip about these doctors Mm -hmm. that were actually punished they're put in jail because there was videotape of them and i'm sure it happens all the time but they had one you know this one had video and it showed these two doctors just kicking mm-hmm. this patient who was mentally ill. And they kicked him in the back so bad that he's now paralyzed from the head down. And they have to take care of him. It's awful. So, that, yeah, just the treatment of these patients was, is unbelievable. And it's still going on. Another one is the the fourth hospital of Lingli, located in Shangung province of China. The um, hospital's deputy chief. Yang Yusheng is known for his use of electroshock therapy without the use of any painkillers or muscle relaxers. He claims that he can cure internet addiction, and he does this on a lot of kids. Oh my God. Kids that are addicted, in air quotes, addicted to the internet. Or our podcasts. Yes, <laughs> we like people that are addicted to our podcast. Yeah, don't cure them. We need, we need all the listeners we can get. <laughs> And he's also in charge of the child internet abduction, 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 no, addiction addiction department. (laughs) He charges $800 a month per child for his treatments and also uses psychotropic drugs on his patients. So he basically puts them in a cantonic state, just like the other ones. Yeah. He uses... Drugs, and he also uses electroshock therapy on these patients to cure them of their internet addiction. Now, the government actually banned him from using that. So Mm -hmm. what he did was he just changed the name of it. Oh, man. Okay. To what? He calls it low-pulse frequency treatments, which the patients say are actually 10 times more painful than the standard electroshock therapy. Uh, The hospital is operating right now. Patients and visitors claim to see paranormal activity throughout the building any time, day or night. It's said that people have seen shadow figures, of course, in the middle of the day. They've seen people lying in beds that disappear. Wow. They also claim that they hear screams coming from rooms, and when they go into the rooms, the rooms are completely empty. So they're getting paranormal activity day or night in this place, and I don't blame them because of the stuff that goes on yeah, there. Yeah, right. Oh. The suffering, right? Mm-hmm. It's terrible. But, you know, if these doctors are still in there and these patients died and they're in pain and they're, like, crying out, why don't they go get those doctors? Like, I don't scare know. Scare them to death or something. You'd, 
You mean the ghost? Yeah. I'm sure they do, actually. Go hunt you know, and that's the problem is doctors that tortured you. I couldn't find much info on these places. Yeah. Well, you know, China doesn't like its secrets <laughs> out. Right? Um, here's another one. Now, this one's a psychiatric hospital. So this is Ganjayam. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Ganjayam. Uh, I don't know. Okay. So it's... This is isn't in China, but it's it's close. It's in the you know in Asia, but uh, it's believed to be the most haunted spot in South Korea. Now, according to local lore, patients have been dying mysterious deaths, like just one after another. So this had forced the facility to shut down because they just had all these like strange occurrences. Uh, many believe that the murderous owner of the place was to blame. He kept patients as hostages um, only to flee to the United States when the family of the deceased demanded explanation so you know he's torturing these people he's doing scientific experiments on them he's forcing them to use drugs he was um, you know like just <laughs> doing medical experiments oh yeah just, you know you, the run, run of the gamut there were rumors of doctors going insane in this place rival like being rivals to their mental patients right and also they had to close it down because there was so much sewage problem oh really and the patients were just dying off because of like there's raw sewage they're being tortured they're not being treated then comes the paranormal activity right so now they've got all these ghosts that are showing up they're angry spirits they're just tearing the place up. Right? <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> and ghosts are there. They're they're not happy. So a lot like um, poltergeist activity and stuff uh, like that? For sure. Poltergeist activities, um, seeing patients that disappear, seeing patients in horrific poses, like screaming and, you know, like tearing at themselves, and then they're just gone. <laughs> it's like, oh, gosh. So, you know, they had to shut it down. They couldn't get anybody to work there either because they were too scared of the paranormal activity that was happening. <laughs> and I've heard that a lot of the, of course, a lot of the patients were insane, but so did the nurses. They had a lot of issues with nurses. Mm-hmm. And a few of these places, not the ones that we listed here, but a few of them, I heard that there was murders of patients, murders of doctors, doctors committing suicide, mm-hmm. nurses committing suicide, a lot of that stuff because... The conditions in these places are so bad, and that's why they're so haunted. Yeah, for sure. There's so much emotional torture, right? Mm-hmm. Physical and emotional torture. Yeah. Um, just you know, staying with China. Just this is the little little um, added bonus you guys <laughs> are gonna get here. Just um, we found some other haunted places in China, not necessarily in asylums, but these are um, some places that you may or may not be able to travel to, like. You know, tourism is in China. I, I don't think they let you go everywhere, right? But you can go to the um, some of these places. Now, this is called Fengdu, and it's isn't that trans- you have a party and you dip stuff. That's fine, Dad. Oh, okay. Little cheese, <laughs> little chocolate, chocolate, little breadcrumbs. Okay, um, oh, sounds good right now because I'm hungry. <laughs> um, Fengdu. So basically, it translates to Ghost City, and it's called Chongqing. Okay, sorry, said that wrong, probably. But anyways, I'll just call it Ghost City. Um, so it's on the banks of the Yangtze River. Now, if you know that Yangtze is one of the largest rivers that 
flows through China. <laughs> um, so it has a really, really spooky past, and it goes back 2,000 years. So it's one of the oldest cities or areas, you know, in the world. So you got 2,000 years worth of ghosts, right, yeah. <laughs> piling up. So according to the legend, there's two Eastern Hung Dynasty imperial officials who used Taoist practices, and they tried to become immortal in the nearby Ming Mountains. So they combined their names to a meaning of King of Hell. They called themselves this. Okay. And they dragged all the local villages into the underworld. So there's paintings and sculptures and um, scenes of villagers being tortured and um, punished for all of their sins. And all around this, there's all of these like signs and symbols. So like, you know, like the gates have these like really foreboding looking like dragons and lions and, and ghost statues all over. They have like statues that look like priests, but they're actually skeletons. Yeah. And those are pretty um, spooky looking. So like if you're, you know, ever able to go to China or maybe some of our listeners been there and live there you mm-hmm. maybe could tell us a little bit about it it'd be interesting to learn more about that yeah like what is there but those people's beliefs mm-hmm. because they they're in under such communist rule they really can't like have any like opinions they can't voice their opinion right like on like we just go on youtube and make a video <laughs> they, they can't do that um they're you know a lot of them are forced to like have the same haircut as everybody else it's just an oppressed society, right? So I just wonder, like, do they think about ghosts? Do they go ghost hunting? You know, I know they're, that like, people meeting on Friday night to go to ghost hunt. <laughs> I know that they're very spiritual people, mm-hmm. and a lot of their beliefs, like there are a lot of their their um, statues, and that all have spiritualistic meanings to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not really familiar with what they are. Mm-hmm. So there's another place in China that's reportedly very haunted. Now, this is called the Forbidden City, and yeah. it's in Beijing. It's um, one of those staples in, in tourism for mm-hmm. China. So, like, people are able to go there. It's probably where they have all those statues, you know, yeah, that they found. It's a huge... No, it's not that... Um, oh. It's just this huge building that's very ornate. Um, it almost looks like the Parthenon, but in a... Asian. In their style. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it's called the Forbidden City, but yet it's one of the biggest tourist attractions in hmm. China. Okay. But it was the site of executions. Mm-hmm. So they would have like trials and anybody who was like betrayed or disobedient to the emperor's rule, they were just executed. Mm-hmm. There was like no trial or journey no. or whatever. Uh-uh. So... They also would like poison people. The you know just just look at like past history of like yeah. how society goes. But during the 1940s, the staff who worked in this palace—I don't know if you would call it a palace, a building, a city, mm-hmm. whatever it is—started to begin to see strange phenomena, imposing red gates just appearing. Um, a woman dressed in white was seen strolling through and just sobbing this has gone on from the 40s until like 1995 and it's probably still going on yeah but, i'm sure you it know, is 
there were guards that reported seeing a woman all dressed in black and then they would go up to her because they were going to arrest her for being there and she would just disappear like gone. That's the way to get out of being arrested. <laughs> right. And when they looked at her, she was super pale, but had no face oh. is how they described okay. her. Um, very long black hair and then, you know, the pale skin. Now, there were also like uh, just all types of reports there, glowing objects, uh, strange feelings, um, people just having like, I don't want to say like. Like panic attacks? Yeah, almost like that, like um, heart palpitations mm-hmm. and going to faint and some people fainted and like your I, energy. That's yeah. what I was trying to say, like your energy being drained. If there was so many deaths there and they believe that there's so many spirits roaming around there that they actually tried basically to suck the life out of you. Yeah. And people pass out, people get sick. But then again, millions of tourists go there, so we don't know if that's just... Yeah, it could be... Could just be food poisoning, could be whatever, but, you know, we like to uh, think more of it as paranormal. It's all paranormal activity. Yeah, scary. Ghosts. There's another place in China called the Q Mansion. So these two brothers... um, they were migrant workers in Shanghai, and they made their fortune by selling paint after World War One. And I built, they built identical mansions, one right next to each other. Fuck on my paper. <laughs> um, their ornate mansions um, had beautiful, like landscape grounds, right? So both brothers had exotic pets. They had. Burmese tigers, they had peacocks, and even crocodiles they let roam in the garden. So in modern times, the Q Brothers Mansion is now abandoned, both of their mansions. But the workers at the hotel across the street, the Four Seasons, report hearing and seeing strange animals roaming around the abandoned site. There's a number of um, hotel night guards who even receive treatment in the hospital from these mysterious animal bites and nobody knows how the injuries occurred oh, interesting so i don't know when they passed away but if they built it in the 40s they were probably probably, probably in their 40s when they built it so yeah they probably would have passed away in mm-hmm. probably the 80s or something like that so interesting that uh phantom bites yeah <laughs> phantom crocodile bit my butt. ghost crocodiles before we leave China, I want to tell you about one more haunted location you guys can look up. Now, this is called the Kashashiku Execution Grounds. Ooh. So, in the busy intersection of the, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this for you guys because I won't mess it up, but they call it the Outer Street in western Beijing. You may not be aware of what had happened there. It's the very bloody history of the Qing Dynasty execution grounds so there were people who were convicted of treason serious crimes against their family you know political rousers i guess you would call them um anything you know it doesn't matter what it was but you were brought there and they would be tortured and executed by ling chi known as death by a thousand cuts oh i've heard that yeah um so executions of well-known convicts include um, a Ming emperor, a foreign dignitary, and those involved in the Boxer Rebellion. It was open for public viewing, Yeah, these executions. So all executions were always scheduled at 11.30 a.m. And it was 
customary for the convicted to be carted into a wine shop for one final drink before facing their slow and painful death, right? Nowadays, people report seeing ghosts, people, you know, bloody ghosts, like Mm -hmm. standing there. Um, So there were thousands and thousands of people who were executed there. Don't know where the bodies went. Don't know if they were buried or if they were just thrown in the river or whatever. Um, But massive paranormal poltergeist um, shadow figure weird lights noises screams um, I don't know much about this whole death by a thousand cuts but it does not sound like it's fun exactly what it is they just keep cutting the body Ugh. paper you know, with, cuts with their swords or whatever they just keep cutting they just take a file you guys ever get a file folder paper cut is like <laughs> Chinese torture right like oh my god it's the worst I can't imagine they're taking like file folders and tap, 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 tap. Oh, you're no good. Um, okay, so we, you know, these past five or four weeks, we've been talking about some really heinous stuff that's gone on in a lot of haunted asylums. But I ran across this article, and being the professional that I am, I forgot to type down who wrote it. So I apologize. We'll give him credit. Yeah. Uh, but Ghost credit. It was interesting. It was actually somebody that enjoyed being in the asylum. Fine. And it's kind of sad, but it also, it's kind of uplifting, I guess. All right. I'll tell you the story. Um, so this one's called Zelda Fitzgerald's Abandoned Sanatorium. The abandoned mental institution that failed to save jazz age icons still sits nearly unchanged. Um, so this place was once built for the Civil War officer General Joseph Howland in 1859. It was called Tora Ronda. So it was a gothic house that was turned into America's first privately licensed psychiatric hospital. Now, this was in 1915. It closed its doors 16 years ago. So it's been, in, you know, in it's been open for a while, a yeah. long time, almost 100 years, probably more than 100 years, well, close to it. Okay. And it's been abandoned ever since. So bordering the forest and the highlands, it looks over the Hudson River, which I heard is absolutely beautiful. Like, you know, we've been in New York one time, but we didn't see a whole lot Mm -hmm. of it. This particular hospital is surrounded by 60 acres. It's now deserted. It had a swimming pool, a gymnasium, a golf course. Um, Today, it just is empty spires. There's nobody around. But it was reserved for the very, very wealthy. So think of it more as like a mental health retreat for the rich people, right? And at this sanatorium, it's where um, F. Scott Fitzgerald took his beloved wife, Zelda, in search for a cure. So there was a Scottish doctor named Clarence Slocum. Slocum. Slocum, that's how you say it. Um, He specialized in progressive attitudes towards treating mental health. Um, He renamed the building Craig House and his son, Jonathan, along with his son, Jonathan, they believed that patients could be cured by intensive talk therapy, coupled with fine dining, recreational pursuits like golf and skiing and painting. And for decades, it was America's most prestigious rehabilitation home, kind of like the perfect haven for cured people right yeah it's it sounds like just this beautiful place and they thought these people were had mental mm-hmm. illnesses so instead of shock therapy they talk to them and yeah. they let them play games they golf they swim they mm-hmm. i mean 
Sign me up. I know, right? Like, I don't play yeah. golf, but I'll try. But, um, you know, it also was a place of some sad despair. There were some famous people that went there that unfortunately went there and, and didn't come out. So Frances Seymour, who was the wife of Henry Fonda and the mother to Jane Fonda, had committed suicide there by cutting her throat with a razor in one of the turrets in 1942. Uh, Rosemary Kennedy was sent here after her controversial lobotomy when she was just 23 that left her with a mental state of a two-year-old. Yeah. So that's, you know, a pretty famous case. In 1934, suffering from early stages of schizophrenia, Zelda Fitzgerald was convalescing there or in a different clinic called the Phipps Clinic, which was part of John Hopkins in Baltimore. So her husband had placed her there because... She had read an early copy of one of his novels and was so distraught, he placed her under constant supervision in fear that she would um, take her own life. Yeah. And so he decided to move her to this place. And some of the archived um, correspondence of her treatment were was available in Princeton University li- Library. And one of the things that he wrote was, I left my capacity for hoping on the little roads that led to Zelda's sanitarium. She would spend time there playing golf and painting in between sessions with Dr. Slocum. She would write to her husband. And one of her quotes was, there is everything on earth available and I have little room to paint in a window higher than a head above the way I like windows to be. Unfortunately, you know, there was no cure for her and it got to the point where it was just too expensive. You couldn't afford mm-hmm. it. It was $750 a month. Yeah. Now, probably back in the 1930s, that was a, a pretty, probably was, yeah. a couple of thousand in our modern days. Um, and as her condition worsened, the bills became unmanageable. So he arranged to move her to a cheaper hospital in Asheville, North Carolina. And the last letter that she ever wrote to her husband, and this is a quote, Whenever you are ready to make the change, I will be ready to go. I am awfully homesick in spite of the beautiful, the beauties of this place. So basically she wanted to go home. She loved it there, but he ended up moving her to um, Asheville. And he moved to Hollywood to become a writer Mm -hmm. in 38, I believe it was, maybe close to 1940. So she died in 1948 in a fire that broke out in the kitchen in the Asheville hospital, she was locked in a room awaiting electric shock therapy and she burned to death yeah. and he died of alcoholism in, mm-hmm. in Hollywood. So it was sad because she really enjoyed the place that she was at and she was very happy there. Um, but, but he just couldn't afford he it. Couldn't afford it mm-hmm. and um, sent her somewhere else. And yeah. that was her demise. And I'm sure she's probably still haunting that place because what a tragic way to go. Or she's at the other place and happy. She could be. I hope she mm-hmm. is. I hope she is. So I hope you guys enjoyed our few weeks of insanity. <laughs> <laughs> Such as our life. But yeah, it's just amazing how tragic these places are. Yeah. And I totally understand why they're haunted. Yes, for sure. Those poor tortured souls are just in there forever trying to escape, kind of like locked in their own mental prison of their own mind, Mm -hmm. you know, so. And I'm going to definitely try to get into some other asylums. I mean, 
not to sound morbid, but I like ghost hunting in asylums and hospitals. They're very and active. Prisons. Yeah. It's so much more active than, say, like a cemetery or, you know, a mansion. Yeah, an old mansion. Because it's very specific. Like, mm-hmm. if you go to a mansion, the ghosts are very specific. Mm-hmm. And as we know, ghosts don't perform on cue, you know? No, I, I, I thought it was a nice highlight that, you know, Joe and I had gone to the haunted asylum. Yeah, the Randolph County Asylum. That yeah. was really cool. I yeah. want to go back. Yeah, for sure. And, and today is um, Tim Murphy's birthday, so happy birthday, oh, Tim Murphy. Uh, the parahor. So, yeah, happy birthday, Tim. Um, hope you're doing well. And I hope you guys get to Randolph County Asylum and have Tim as your tour guide because he's awesome. Yep, for sure. Now, we're going to change up a little bit. We had the chance to go to a convention finally, and we went to a Bigfoot convention. So in the next few weeks, folks, we're going to be talking Bigfoot. Um, it just worked out that way. We got some great interviews. Now, we did get an interview with... Um, Tim Woolworth, which is not Bigfoot, so I'll throw that in there. That was awesome. We finally got Tim on the show. I know. We've been trying for like, what, five years <laughs> yeah. to get him on the show? <laughs> I mean, we see him at all the conventions, and we're always like, hey, you know, you want to be on the show? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. You know, and it never works out. But next week, we have a very special guest, Stacy X. Ooh. The very mysterious Stacy X is going to be on. And this will be an adults-only show, folks. It's yeah. our only... we. Um, just let her go, and she did use a few cuss words, so we're making an adults-only show. But Hide the children. Yeah, and uh, she actually talks about her life growing up in the church and her haunted life. Yeah, it's a really, really interesting um, story. She's had a ton of like paranormal activity, but different type of paranormal mm-hmm. activity. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, we had a chance guessing. the night before the convention, she came over to the hotel and gave us a great interview, so we really appreciate that. We actually recorded in front of a live audience, which was really fun. You know, everybody was setting up, so they all just kind of grabbed chairs and sat on tables and listened to her story. And afterwards, everybody was just blown away at her story. Yeah. So you're definitely going to enjoy this. So tune in next week. Um, other than that, I hope you guys have a great week. And uh, get out there and get some ghost hunting done. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you see Bigfoot, let me know. Yeah. Here's some new music from Dead and Five. This is very, um, how do I say it? Very apropos, apropos, apropos. This is very apropos for the show. This is Trippin' on the Inside by Dead in Five. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Yeah,